of the Bible. And what it is, is that I, I didn't figure out the one-year Bible. And that's what we're going through. The one-year Bible, I figured out somebody finally came up and said, you know what? People are not reading their Bibles. And so we need to figure out a way to get people to read their Bibles to help them. So what they did is they took the Bible and they broke it into 365 bite-sized pieces to where we could just take a few moments every day and read the Word of God. And if you've been doing that, you're, you're eight months into the Word of God. And that's tremendous for some of you. Some of you never read the, the, the Bible that long, and you, you're saying, wow, this is good. And you're starting to find out that the Word is alive and that it really does affect our lives and change our situations. So that's what we're in today, and we're in the, the New Testament now. We're in the, the epistles now. Now, I know some people thought that the epistles were the apostles' wives. I know some of you thought, and said, well, you know, it's an epistle. That must be apostle, epistle must, must be, you know. But it's not. It's not. It, the New Testament, the, the epistles were written by apostles to the church, and a lot of it is instruction and correction and rebuke. Come on now, with a little bit of edification up in there. Because the epistles teach us how to live. Jesus wants to teach us how to live. And the reason he wants to teach us how to live is because we don't know how to live. We really don't know how to live. And so, you know, we go through things and he teaches us things. So this week I was on my way to Home Depot. I go there a lot. I like Home Depot and, and Lowe's, don't you? But I don't go there and just browse and hang out. You know what I'm talking about? When I go to Home Depot, I go to get something. I know what I want. I know where it's at. Matter of fact, some people think I work there. They ask me, where are the hammers? I say, oh, right down there, aisle 18 or whatever, you know. So I was, I was going there the other day for a reason. And when I got to the parking lot, I drove into one of the, the, the aisles, you know, and there was a group of people walking where the cars go. You know, people walk where cars are supposed to go. They should be walking where people walk. You know, I, I call them diagonals. They, they walk diagonally. And they were just taking their time. Well, you know, I just waited patiently. Hallelujah. <laughs> and when they passed, I, I got in my parking space. And uh, when I got out of the car, if you know me, you know I walk fast everywhere I go. I mean, so I got out of my car and I took off to a straight line to the door. I mean, straight to the door. And I heard them behind me. They were talking about me out loud. <laughs> I think they wanted me to hear what they were saying about me. And they said, look at him walking so fast ahead of us. I figured I was the only one ahead of them, so they must be talking about me. Look how he walking so fast like he's really got, got somewhere to go. Well, you know, I just got this feeling inside of me when I heard that. And, and, and I, want, I, I was going to turn around and say something. Something inside of me said, just, just. What's up with that, man, you know? And then another voice inside of me said, leave it alone. And I walked about three or four more steps and I said, but somebody needs to say something about this. And so, you know, but that other voice said, no, just keep going. And I, and I had this back and forth till finally I got in the store. I hit the air conditioning, which was really good, really cool. And, and I got halfway in the store and, and it, it, it subsided. And so when we were crafting this message with, with the pastors, you know, I, I told them the story about that because that had a lot to do with what we're talking about. And I said, they said, well, you got the victory. And I realized, yes, I did. I got the victory. 
I mean, you know, uh, I, I passed the test, and it was really, really good. And, and, and so it, what it does, it tells us that what is going on is that we've got a situation. We've got a situation on the inside of us. I want to read Galatians chapter 5, verse 17. And it says, the sinful nature wants to do evil. Now, every one of you have this in you. Every one of you have a situation. And if you don't think you have a situation, that really is your situation. <laughs> and so we've got this thing inside of that they want to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. That capital S means the Holy Spirit. So we've got something in us that goes contrary, opposite to what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite. They're opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly, they are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions or you just can't do what you want to do. You got this thing on the inside of you. You know, we call it flesh versus spirit. Sitting Bull said this. He said, I have two dogs living inside of me. One is good and one is evil. And the one I feed the most wins the battle. So, you know, I don't know how godly Sitting Bull was. I didn't know him personally, so I can't judge him. But what he said is true. We've got these two dogs inside of you. And what you've got, you've got sort of like a little poodle, maybe a little Pomeranian, you know, one of those little puffy little dogs. Maybe, maybe even, God help you, if you've got a chihuahua up in there, you know. And you've got this dog. But you also have a Rockweiler or a pit bull or one of the other stronger dogs. And which one you feed is the one who wins the majority of your battles. And, uh, and you know, you didn't have this struggle before you got saved. Now, before you commit to Christ, you're just kind of on your own. You can do what you want, when you want, how you want it, to who you want it. You're just kind of out there. You have no opposition. You just, that's how it was. It was like, do what you want, when you want. Just no big, not that action. I'm just out there. But then when the Holy Spirit comes in, when you give your heart to God, when you decide to follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence in your heart. And then all of a sudden, when you want to do something, the Holy Spirit says, I don't think I want to do that. It's sort of like being single. When you're single, and some of you are single, you kind of just do what you want to do. I mean, if it's Saturday afternoon, you decide you want to take a trip to Pensacola, you just pack up the car and you're gone. If you want to buy a pizza at 10 o'clock at night and drink three Cokes and eat a big old large pizza, you just, just do it, you know what I mean? If you don't want to pick up your house, you know, stuff all over, you just do it. But when you get married <laughs> and you decide that you want to go get a pizza, maybe your spouse doesn't want to do that. Or maybe you want to buy that new truck. And all of a sudden, there's another person in the equation who says, I don't think so. And a variety of other things. It's called marriage. Now, you know what? Jan and I have been together 50 years this past Friday. Amen. Look. It was a birthday Friday. Come on, give it up for Miss Jan, 64 years old. Let's go. Come on. And I met her on her 14th birthday at a, at a, at a dance hall, a teenage dance hall you know, for all places. 
Some of you met in church. We didn't. But uh, we dated four years, and we've been married 40, uh, 46 years now. You know what I mean? So we've been together a long time. And uh, I can't do everything I want to do. But she can't do everything she wants to do. So there's checks and balances in that. But I love you, baby. You know, I, I did real good. The first service, you weren't here. You are watching online. You caught a little bit, but you were drying your hair. You didn't hear all what I said about you, huh? You say, hi, I knew that. Well, you, you're watching me. I'm watching you. I can see through this camera right now. You didn't know that? Yes, indeed. It's a two-way thing. But there's a constant fight. Some of you are in a constant fight in your marriage because you can't do what you want to do. And some of you are in a constant fight with God because you can't do what you want to do. And there's this law going on inside of this equation that, that we call sowing and reaping. In other words, planting and harvesting. It happens to everybody. Everybody's planting something and everybody is harvesting something. Now, what you want to harvest, in other words, what you want to eat on the kitchen table, you need to put in the ground out in the field. Because some people plant certain things in their field and when a harvest comes up and they got to eat it, they don't want to eat that. The Bible talks about that. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Now, what are we going to plant? You know, the Bible talks about the fruit of the flesh or this sinful nature. And so if we're going to sow to that, if that's what we're going to plant, this is what the Bible says about that in the 19th verse. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. You know, sometimes we hide in obscurity. We hide, when, well, I'm not sure, you know, the gray areas. But here it says that if we sow to the sinful nature, the results are very, very clear to us. And what are they? They're very clear. Sexual immorality or adultery. You know, I'm trying to figure out why there's so much adultery up in the church. I mean, come on, guys. You know what I mean? It's right here. The results are very good. Sin, sexual immorality or impurity. That means any kind of moral impurity. Man, you know, when you sow to that, there's all these gray areas nowadays. You know, I just love the Lord because he's black and white, but I'm going to tell you something. People are living in the gray areas. Well, it's not illegal. Yeah, but it's immoral. Well, it's not illegal, but it's really unethical. And, and we live there. We, we, well, it's not, you know, we, we're, we're saying, God, if you don't spell it out exactly, then I might can get by. He says, you know what else? There's lustful pleasures. That's unbridled, undisciplined, unprincipled sexual activity. That's what he's talking about here. Then he goes on and just says idolatry. Let's put something before God. Sorcery, which means that you are, you're actually controlling somebody with drugs. Uh, there's this thing of hostility, that's hatred. There's quarreling and jealousy and outburst of anger. Mm. Selfish ambition. Dissensions, divisions, envying. There's envy, there's drunkenness. You know, if you read your Bible yesterday, Proverbs really talks about people getting drunk, man. 
You know, it's like, hey, let's party. Come on. It's like Friday night. We get party, you know. And, and I spent all my money. I got beat up, you know. And I wake up Saturday morning and guess what I say? Well, let's do it again tonight. I mean, that's what the Bible says, people who live that kind of lifestyle. Dude, I know. We used to do that. Spend all the money, do all the thing, and then wake up. is like, what is up? Well, let's do it again. It's so much fun to feel so bad. <laughs> Wild parties. And then he just kind of, for all of us who love to play the game with God, the Holy Spirit just added this one little phrase. And he said, and uh, <laughs> I love it other sins like these. So he said, if I didn't hit you exactly between eyes, oh, just all the other things that you know, and you do know, we do know. And he said that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit or will not become an heir to the kingdom of God. I read it this way. If that's all we ever sow, if we ever sow just to the sinful nature, just to that fleshly nature, we're going to reap eternal damnation. We will not inherit the kingdom of God. And it's just the way it is. You know, you say, well, pastor. Well, don't, don't say pastor. Say Jesus. Say Holy Spirit because he's the one who wrote this stuff. I mean, I believe that, that the Lord expects something out of those who follow him. I just think he, he does that. And then in Galatians 6, 8, it, it goes on a little bit deeper. It says, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest death and decay or a slow rotting of their lives from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. I mean, the two lives are just so contrasted here. Follow the Holy Spirit. You know, grab that. You get eternal life. Live for your own sinful nature and you... You, you just inherit eternal death. Now, now, when we live in this slow rot life, and people do that, we kind of don't notice it. What we like to do, we just avoid it. We, we just say, you know what, I'm just going to ignore it. I'm going to avoid it. it. It's simple. Just, I'm going to avoid it, and if I avoid it, it's going to go away. You know, right now as I'm talking to you, I have four molars missing in my mouth. Four molars are missing. And the reason why they're missing is because back in the day, you know, I'm 65 now. So back in the day when I was a kid, like 55 years ago, dentistry wasn't exactly the way it is today. How many of you older folks can understand that? We had three dentists in our town. We had Dr. Philippi, uh, people who had a little bit more money went to him. It seemed that way. Then we had Dr. Nelson. He actually worked on horses and people. <laughs> he did. He lived a half a block from my grandma's house. When I walk in front of his green dentist's office, just the fear gripped me. It was such a nasty-looking building, and he works on horses, but people too. And then further down the road by my aunt's house was Dr. Nelson, and he was like the great executioner. You know, he had steel looking glasses and slick back hair and he kind of when you walk when you see him it's like ha, 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 ha. I mean you know just so afraid of this guy and we would hear stories about him and, and no Novocaine and none of that. I mean straight to the shot and and no small sharp needles like we have today with all just long reusable needles reusable needles am I painting the picture I was afraid of the dentist. And so I allowed my teeth 
to rot. I just avoided it. And the only time I would get help is when the pain in my head was more powerful than the fear in my mind. And once I got to a place where the pain was so excruciating, I had to go. And guess what? Everything I had heard about Dr. Nelson, the exterminator, I mean, Dr. Uh, whatever his name, Nelson, was right. It was horrible. He didn't have a little old nurse there with a little chair that vibrates with a little hand massage and a little TV with music playing. You walked in his office like in a morgue. It was like, he rolled that tray over, open up. Just, oh, it was horrible. And so you know what? The next time I let that one rot, then I let that one rot, then I let that one rot. I'm just telling you, you can accept a rotted life. You know what else we do? We accept it. We avoid it, you know, and then we just, we just kind of accept it. We just kind of paint over it. It's like, I know I'm rotten, but what, what, what? Our neighbor's sold a house. It had rotted wood. I knew all the rotted wood. I knew the neighbor. They just painted over the rotted wood, and it looked great. It looked great until about three months later when the, the rot caved in and the paint caved in with it, and there it was even worse than before. We do that. We, we'll just, we'll, we'll avoid it and then we'll just accept it and then we'll just paint over this rotted life when in actuality what we should do is we should fix it. Yes. We need to fix what is wrong. Not just by willpower, but by the power of the Holy Spirit with our wills. We have to come together and work in tandem with the Holy Spirit and we need to see this thing fixed and we fix our lives that are headed in this direction by repentance and by fighting. There's a war going on on the inside of you and God doesn't have to set you up for a big thing. He just needs to send you to Home Depot. Put a few people in front of you in the line in the convenience store. Put those women in front of you that wait to break out their wallet after they tell you how much. I'm going to teach you something. When you're in line, take your wallet out. Get, get the credit card out and be ready. The Lord, he doesn't have to do some big, big thing. He doesn't have to do that. He just tells you, fix it. Because your Christian life is not maintenance free. And I believe some people think it is. Just coming in to Sunday, screeching on in, getting all checked in and out we go. It's not that way. But there is a solution to our situation. And the solution to this situation is not as complicated as we would think. The solution is one person. His name is Holy Spirit. He is the solution to this battle. And he does things. And I, when I say the Holy Spirit, I'm talking about a, a real relationship with the Holy Spirit because there's so many people who do not really know the Holy Spirit and know his voice. But we need, we need to, and I say we need to, I know we need to because we have to. We have to see some things. Now, I'm going to share three things out of Scripture with you about the Holy Spirit that I believe is going to help us feed the proper dog. The first is this. The Holy Spirit guides your life. Understand this, believers. I'm talking to people who are following Jesus. The Holy Spirit will guide your life. Scripture says very plainly in the 16th verse, so I say, let, very important word, let 
the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Let the Holy Spirit, not fight against the Holy Spirit, not resist the Holy Spirit, but let the Holy Spirit. A relationship with the Holy Spirit empowers you to allow him to guide you with principles from God's word. Because you say, well, how is the Holy Spirit going to guide me, Pastor? How, I mean, look, teach me something. How to, let me explain how the Holy Spirit will guide you. First of all, you should have a desire. And if you don't, you need to kindle that desire for the word of God because he will reveal the word of God to you, which will reveal everything else to you, which will build you up, which will correct you absolutely, will admonish you, absolutely. Man, will rebuke you sometimes, absolutely, but also will build you up, come on, encourage you, build your faith to such a place that your desires will change and you will, you will decide to follow more after the Holy Spirit than after your sinful nature. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It's a strategy he gives us in this situation we're in. Everybody needs a strategy. Most people live a life without any strategy and just figure that life somehow or another is going to work out and it really never does work out, not really. We follow him. He reveals the word. Then he speaks to our heart. Every person in this room that follows Jesus, it's imperative that you are able to hear the voice of God. And I know some people don't, don't think they can. And I've had times where, I, can I hear the voice of God? I don't, I'm not sure that I heard the voice. I'm trying to hear the voice of God. But if there is a desire, and if we give time to that desire, we will hear the voice of God. But he will not always say what we want to hear. Many times he will not say what we want to hear. He will speak to our heart. And then he will convict us. Now, let me talk to you a little bit about conviction. Because when we say the word conviction, we always associate it with sin. I sin, he convicts, I repent, he forgives, I'm restored. I sin, he convicts, I repent. Sin, convict, repent. And that's how most people live their whole life because they think of conviction as only that which comes because I sin. But let me turn it over and show you a whole nother side of conviction. And that is the side where the Spirit of God begins to speak to you about what he wants you to do, not necessarily what he wants you to stop, but the whole other echelon of ideas that I want you to do this. Some of you, the Holy Spirit will speak to you and he desires you to be a leader. He desires you to lead a small group. He desires you to uh, know God, uh, find freedom, discover purpose, and then make a difference. He looks at you, he sees your potential, and now he begins to convict you about what he wants you to do. This is the way the Spirit of God moves an individual forward. But the same battle you have when he's convicting you about sin, the same battle you have when you don't want to tell those people in the parking lot what they should do, is the same, it's the same scenario when God's trying to propel you into something great for your life. You have the same battle. It feels the same. 
when God began to speak to us to leave Louisiana, you talk about a battle which, which was identical to when God said, I want you to repent of this. When it was the same battle when he said, I want you to do this. It may have even been more intense because I would look at the fleshly side of things and I would say, my life is good here. My family is here. My wife's family is here. Our kids are in a good school. We're in a great church. I work for a great pastor. I'm, I'm loving every minute. We love our home. We love our street. We love our friends. And then God is saying, leave all of that, every bit of that. I want you somewhere else. You don't think that wasn't a battle? And so if you feel bad when God is telling you to do something with it, that you don't feel like you're able to do, then you just need to fight the battle. But eventually you need to give in to the Holy Spirit and do what he says to do so that you can go forward in what he's called you to do. Too many people just sitting around and just kind of having a good time. The Holy Spirit will guide your life. The Holy Spirit will also give you desires. This is the next thing that he does. It's found in the 17th verse. The sinful nature wants you to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature needs. So you know what this is? This is like resourcing the strategy. It's not like God saying, hey, uh, this is the strategy and it leaves you alone. He says, here's the strategy for your life. This is what I want from you. This is what I want you to do. Here's the direction I want to lead you in. And now here are the resources I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you desires. He gives you desires. If you'll give him time, he will deposit desires in your heart. Give him no time, no desire. Be filled with other kind of desires, all selfish ambition, all those things, then God doesn't have any room to deposit. We've got to be empty so we can be filled. He gives us these desires. He resources us. And he offers us better options than what we're doing. He offers us contrary options. Can I tell you something? Move forward in your walk with God. Move forward in your life with God. Don't stay stagnated, just kind of going around in a circle, kind of patting yourself on the back and saying, well, you know all there is to know about God. Can you imagine that? Jan and I read the Bible almost every morning. We don't always get it done, but we almost every morning. And, and we just read, we read it this morning. It's like, wow. I mean, the word of God makes God bigger every day, bigger and bigger and better. I'm not fearing about North Korea I am not fearing about that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If, if you're fearing, I, I'm not with you. I'm not fearing. God has got the whole world in his hands. I mean, I mean, either he does or he doesn't. Either he is in control or we got an out of control God. Either he is king or pulper. I'm serving the king. I've just decided. I've decided that the, the less I know, the bigger God is. You know, the third thing is, that the Holy Spirit generates fruit. He generates fruit. Verse 22, but the Holy Spirit, now this is the Holy Spirit, he produces or he generates this kind of fruit in our lives. In other words, he, he is the fertilizer. He is the source causing it to grow. And, and it's very simple, love, joy, peace. Watch this, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Wow. There is no law against these things. How can you argue with that, man? 
Now, I don't know about you, but what, I would rather have this kind of fruit generated in my life than what we already talked about. And I would say that God would be more for me in this kind of fruit than he would be for me in the other kind of life. I believe God would attach himself to me in a greater degree with this operating in my life. This is the fruit that the Holy Spirit comes in and what he desires to cultivate in our life. It, this produces advancement. He gives strategy. He resources us so that we can move forward. Now, let me just get back to this thing of Home Depot. Because we sat around tables, past said, Vin, you got the victory. And I said, Vin, I got the victory. I did. I got the victory. And the further we went in this message, the less I saw it as a commanding victory. To such a place that we sat and said, you know what? I don't think I had a full victory there. I think I had a partial victory. I mean, I didn't turn around and like some folks do. Some of you are mean. Some of you on Facebook, you just let it rip. I just, I will never understand it. We're your friends on Facebook. It's your friends. Be sweet and kind and quit being so mean on Facebook. It's a bad witness. People say, oh, she goes to Northwood. So I didn't get a full victory because you know why? I'm not sure that I loved those people. Matter of fact, I'd probably confess to you that I did not love those people. Don't look at me like, like you're all surprised. You do it every day just about to. You know you do. You got these two dogs, man. Now, I did, I did have self-control and a little patience. But I think inside of me, I don't know how kind I was. I don't think I love them. It says, love your enemy. I mean, they weren't my enemy. They're just talking about me. Well, big deal. I mean, hey. Sometimes we think we get the big victory and we don't. It's like yesterday I was trimming the hedges at my house and had a big pile of trimmings. Went got my trash can, went got my big rake. And you know how it is when you pick up leaves or trimmings you got the rake in his hand in the hand and and the first time you pick up man i got this big handful put it in the trash can reached down man got another big one three times just like yeah and then i raked it up in a smaller pile right and then when you go to pick up the smaller pile somehow or another you you can't get it and you and then and then i ended up on my hands and knees you know and it took me longer to sweep up the Almost the rest. Because after a while, you know what I did, huh? I said, I got the blower out and just, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. And it's like the Holy Spirit gave me an illustration. I mean, I'm a pastor, been pastoring for like, you know, 33 years. And so I'll look for an illustration anywhere. But it's like he gives me these illustrations. He said, you know, Van, that's like your life. When you first came to me, I cleaned up the big things almost instantly, just pow, 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 pow. But it's those little things in the crevices of your life that take the most time and more effort than the big things. And then I just took the blower and I just blew them underneath the rest of the shrubs and let them rot. 
because that's what we do sometimes, right? Rather than picking up the small things, maintaining the small things of our life, we just get the blower out and just, it all looks good, but it's still rotting back up in there. This fruit, man, it's life-giving. It's it's really wonderful. It's the way to live. It's what God wants us to do. So watch this. I believe in Galatians 5 verse 24, it sort of wraps this thing up. Because it says, those who belong to Christ. I mean, those who belong to Christ. In other words, you've surrendered to, to Christ. You're following Jesus. To those who belong to Christ, they, they have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. There there is the will of God that our passions and our ungodly desires just get nailed to the cross of Calvary. And then he says just this colossal thing. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Every part, not just our Sunday morning part, not just our public part, not just our church part, but not our work part. Every part of your life. Folks, can I share this with you? You should be the same all the time. You shouldn't just live one way in front of people, another way, you know, and all. Because if you want to know where the real fight is, it's the private fight. We pretty well got the public thing down pat. We'll say, we'll, we'll hold our mouth in front of people and let it rip in front of God. We'll do things in front of God that we would never do in front of people. We want to live and follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. For you who are following Jesus... You who say, I am a Christian, I'm a believer. I want to pray with you right now because I believe the Lord wants to do a work inside of us. I believe he does. I believe he wants to change some some areas. I believe that there's, I know, I don't believe. There's some things that have got to change. So, Father, we're, we're coming to you and we're asking you to touch us and change us. And, Father, we're surrendering to you. These things that we've talked about right here, God, I know that you've convicted us about some things that we should stop doing, some areas of our life that need need a total change. And then, Lord, I know there's other things you're speaking to some of us about, things that you want us to do that are great things, that are wonderful things, that are powerful for the kingdom. And we pray, God, that you would cause us to be open to that. Help us, Lord God. You said you would give us desires as we give you time and as we... Stay in your presence. We thank you that you're going to change our desires to those that will lead us in a brand new path. Father, I pray for your people in this room, myself included, Lord, too, that would be different. We would not just go through the motions one more time, but we'd be changed a little bit more into the image of Jesus. We thank you for that. Now, while everybody's got their heads bowed and their eyes are closed, I want to talk to you in this room who are far from God. I know what it was like. I was there. 
you don't need to be ashamed of that. I just didn't know I was blind, messed up. But Jesus loved me enough to come after me, and he's coming after some of you right now in this room. If you're in this room right now and you say, Pastor Van, you know what? I haven't really been following Jesus. My life has shown that I haven't, but I want to. Today is the day I want to surrender to Jesus. It's an act of my own free will. If that's you in this room, I just want to be a small part of that, just representing Jesus to you and telling you that he loves you, that he will forgive you of every sin you've ever committed, and he will change your heart. And you will have a better life because you will be connected to him. You won't have to go through the pain because you fear. You won't have to accept things or avoid things. Things can be changed. If you're in this room right now, I want to pray with you right where you are. I'm not going to make you do anything else. I just want you to accept the Lord. That's what I want you to do. That's the desire of my heart. So if that's you, I want you to shoot your hand up. Nobody's looking around. Just say, Pastor, would you pray with me? I want Jesus. Thank you for your hand there. Thank you over here to my right. Thank you over to my left. Come on, don't be afraid. And don't miss the opportunity to come to your God. Thank you. Don't miss the opportunity for freedom. Anybody else before I pray you have done, just shoot your hand up, put it right back down. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. Yes. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. He died for you. He rose from the dead that you might live. Right now, you who raised your hand, and even if you didn't, but your heart is open to him right now, let's pray together. Just follow me as I pray. I mean, just just tell the Lord. Just say, Father, I am a sinner, and I'm separated from you, and I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I repent, Lord. I want to follow you. I'm not sure I know all what that means, but I want a new life in you. I want to serve you and love you. So I receive you right now as the one who saves me. I receive you, Lord, as my forgiver and the one that restores my life. I give you all of my faith that I have. And I thank you right now for loving me enough to receive me. Thank you for changing my life starting today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's let's just thank the Lord right now for what he's doing in people's lives. If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God, and we'd love to help you with your next few steps. If you'll text the word SAVED to 51660, we want to send you a link to our website that'll explain a little more about the decision you just made and give you some steps to take so that you can grow in your new relationship with God. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. Mississippi. If you're in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our live services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv give, or you can text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time.